This podcast is supported by Cisco, the bridge to possible. You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. The COVID-19 pandemic overwhelmed public health systems around the country and laid bare long-standing racial and economic disparities. Rural and tribal communities with few accessible health care providers were especially hit hard. Navajo Nation President Jonathan Nez joins Washington Post Live to discuss how the pandemic exposed and exacerbated vulnerabilities in the healthcare institutions we depend on most and proposed solutions for a more equitable and accessible healthcare system in the United States. Let's listen. Welcome to Washington Post Live. I'm Frances Tietzel as a senior writer here at The Post. I'm delighted to welcome my guest this afternoon, who's the president of the Navajo Nation. President Jonathan Nest, welcome to Washington Post Live. Yeah, and uh, greetings to you, Francis, and your, your viewers. It's good to be on and appreciate the opportunity. Well, we are very much looking forward to hearing your perspective. And I want to start by a with a tough question. The Navajo Nation was particularly hard hit um, last right. spring and summer by the coronavirus, at one point having the highest infection rate in the country, what were the factors contributing to that extraordinary high infection rate? Well, let me first say that the Indian Health Services under the Department of Health and Human Services has been underfunded since the mm -hmm. inception of the IHS. And because of that, you know, we've seen some uh, issues in our healthcare system. Uh, not just for Navajo Nation, but all the tribes throughout the country. And of course, we do have high rates of health issues here on the Navajo Nation. And of course, you see that in places where there's a large percentage of people of color. You got high rates of diabetes, uh, you got heart problems, and, and many other health issues like cancer. You know, uh, I think one. Uh, item that, that not many people know is that there are over 500 open uranium mines here on our Navajo Nation that contribute to, you know, high percentages of cancer, be it um, breathing in and downwinders, drinking the contaminated water. And, you know, that's just one example of many health problems that we have. And that contributed to, you know, a high number of uh, our people having some difficulties uh, with the virus, and we also uh, have lost over 1,300 of our Navajo people to this pandemic. What were the main impediments to curbing it? Well, the main impediments uh, was, uh, you know, another statistic I, I like to bring up that people just don't know. Uh, 30 to 40 percent of our Navajo people don't have running water. Believe it or not, this is right in the middle, the most powerful country in the world. And yet, you know, our, our people still have to haul water. And then yet CDC tells us, you know, wear your mask, uh, social distance, wash your hands with soap and water. And sometimes our, our people prioritize their water uh, when they have to bring water from maybe a 30, 50 mile round trip, even more to bring water to their homes, they use it first for their animals and because that sustains life. And then also, and then what's next is our, our farms. 
and and then drinking water consum consumption, and then whatever's left over is for personal hygiene. And at that point, you know, there's nothing left over to do this uh, washing in hands protocol. So that's just one of many other examples I can bring up today, but I think that's one of the biggest. President, as you took the words right out of my mouth, I was actually in your wonderful landscape in December 2019, right before the pandemic, writing about that 30% of people who live without houses and don't have running water. Um, when you think about this, you know, obviously the hand washing contributed to the difficulties of combating the virus. But in a broader term, is this lack of running water a public health crisis in itself? It's been a public health crisis for a very long time. And, you know, there seems some, seems like there's some light at the end of the tunnel here with the, the CARES Act funding that was appropriated as well as the American Rescue Plan Act. And we just asked Congress to pass the infrastructure uh, bill as well. And I think with those uh, resources, we can, get our Navajo people running water. Of course, we'll need electricity because you need electricity to pull water into mm -hmm. various parts of our uh, nation as well and broadband telecommunication. But in regards to infrastructure, that is a, a big need uh, on the Navajo nation. Well, I think it would be interesting for our viewers if you describe just a tiny bit more what I saw when I was there about how people live often five miles up an isolated right. road? 27,000 square miles of land. We're the biggest uh, land-wise, uh, biggest tribe in the country. Uh, four, uh, almost 400,000 <clears throat> Navajo citizens. And we're very rural. I mean, of course you have uh, Navajo people who live in high populated area, but the majority uh, of our citizens live in the most rural parts of, of our nation. And to get them water will take uh, a lot of effort. And plus we have to deal with the bureaucracy uh, of the federal government, as you may know or may not know, uh, we have to uh, jump through a lot of hoops before we even get infrastructure from one area to the next. A lot of federal agencies oversee uh, the Navajo Nation. In order for us to get a right away, we have to work with the Bureau of Indian uh, Affairs, the BIA. In order for us to get environmental clearance, we have to work with the US EPA. In order for us to, you know, uh, pave a road, we have to, you know, deal with a lot of these bureaucracies. So right now, we are hopeful with this new administration. Uh, we have sent our recommendations for some federal policy changes and, and regulation changes so that projects can get done a lot quicker. You know, with the CARES Act, we saw a lot of lessons learned. With the CARES Act, we had a, a short amount of time to get these projects done. And, you know, only half of what was allocated to us was put into infrastructure development because we just didn't have enough time to jump through all these hoops. But uh, we did, with the other half, uh, issue out direct payments and put into the pockets of our Navajo citizens because they were, you know, having some difficulty throughout this uh, public health emergency. 
So despite these enormous structural and bureaucratic challenges, you've had the most extraordinarily successful vaccination campaign. Can you tell us right. the secret of that success and how you motivated people to get, I think, to 70% vaccination rate? Is that correct? Right, right. Well, Francis, uh, I've gotten a lot of questions about what the secret is. And I tell mm -hmm. everybody, and I'll, I'll tell you and your viewers that there is really no secret. You know, we just follow the public health experts is uh, protocols, their uh, recommendations to get past this pandemic. One, uh, these four, four things, uh, wearing your mask, social distancing, washing your hands with soap and water. And we did you know, hand out a lot of hand sanitizers to our Navajo people because of the water shortage. And four, stay home and just continuously getting our Navajo people updated on what's happening, not just on Navajo, but all across the country and all over the world to let them know that, you know, we are uh, all in this together. We call them the five finger beans. And based on that, you know, we're so interconnected now, more so than ever before. And so we need uh, others around us, other jurisdiction around us to, you know, work together to bring these numbers down. Here on the Navajo Nation, uh, leaders were out there on the front lines, shoulder to shoulder with our warriors, our lady warriors, uh, first responders, uh, our frontline workers, and just letting the Navajo people know that just following through these, following uh, on these protocols, we will be able to get through this pandemic. And, you know, that's what I commend uh, about the Navajo people. They listen to our uh, public health professionals, our doctors, and our first responders. And, you know, it wasn't a political statement to wear a mask here. It wasn't about uh, individualism. It was about the greater good. It was about your neighbor, your family, your nation. And so even today, uh, Francis, we still have a mask mandate in in uh, in or in you know, following through on that right now, while the rest of this country threw away their masks. And because uh, how hard hit we were here on the Navajo Nation, we're taking our uh, steps slowly to reopen the Navajo Nation. I, you know, I listened to interviews with you going back to earlier last year, and I do want to dig a little bit deeper on this topic. You, from the very beginning, talked about the shared history, the overcoming traumas, uh, building right. resilience and working as a community. Is that something that you deliberately did in order to build a sense of confidence around these public health messages? You know, we challenged our Navajo people to uh, pass their our way of life teaching, our cultural teaching, our language to the younger generation because most of them were at home during this pandemic. Uh, and so we had to do that ourselves here with the Navajo government and we embraced our way of life teaching. You know, one teaching uh, that I've heard since I, I was young uh, was that the, the hero twins came in uh, at the onset of, of Navajo life and fought off these uh, monsters that we call the uh, old age, hunger, and poverty, uh, those types of monsters. And I utilize that way of thinking to, you know, get the support of our elders. You know, this is a monster that we're fighting here called COVID-19. And with any battle or any 
uh, war against a monster, you got to have weapons and you have to have the armor. And, and so getting the message out there that our armor is uh, the vaccination. Uh, the weapons are these protocols that are being, we're being encouraged to follow. Uh, who would have known that people would, you know, embrace the uh, weekend lockdowns in our, in our nation because they know that the safest place was at home and utilizing our way of life teaching helped us. Uh, I truly believe to, you know, get our Navajo people to listen and understand that this is just not a, a virus or a disease, but it's actually a monster. And monsters have plagued us uh, throughout our history as Navajo people. And these are just modern day monsters that we're battling uh, today. And one of those is, yes, COVID-19. You also have alcoholism, drug addiction, uh, depression, suicidal thoughts. And we got to take that same effort, that same uh, way of doing things to push back on these monsters, these modern day monsters, as we did with COVID-19. So I think there is a transition uh, from uh, utilizing this pandemic as a way to uh, change for the good uh, of our people uh, because of what we went through, not just with COVID-19, but with what we went through through our history as Navajo people, through the long walk. We even uh, got through mm -hmm. some other diseases like smallpox and virus back in the 90s and now COVID-19. And we have also magnified that the resilience uh, of our citizens uh, is at the forefront. And that's how we got through this and we can get through many other uh, challenging times. It's not just the Navajo, the Blackfeet Nation in Montana reported an extraordinarily high vaccination rate, I think in late March of 95%. And I think some tribal leaders put that down to tribal sovereignty. Is that something you feel is important, your ability to distribute vaccines in a culturally appropriate way and through your own messaging system? Oh, absolutely. You know, we received 249,605 vaccines. Navajo Nation received their vaccination the same day all the states throughout the country received it because we advocated to the federal government not to leave us behind. And today, uh, 240,395 of those vaccines have gone into the arms of our Navajo citizens. And that's 96% of what we received have been given. And the number of people that have been fully vaccinated, Pfizer, Moderna, uh, one shot of Johnson & Johnson, 115,203. But keep in mind, these uh, total numbers are also our Navajo citizens that live off the Navajo Nation. So when I use that 70% fully vaccinated number, that's the Navajo residents, Navajo people actually living on the Navajo Nation. And who could say that throughout the country or throughout the world that they have over 70% of their citizens fully vaccinated but the Navajo Nation? This year has been, has, has revealed so much in terms of health disparities and the need to develop messaging that works specifically for minority communities, whether they be native uh, peoples or Hispanic or blacks. 
are there lessons from your experience that you would like to sh see shared more widely to address these disparities in other communities? Uh, that, that's a good question, Francis. Uh, you know, we, we pride ourselves, I think all tribes throughout the country tell our young people to go get an education and to come back and help our people. I think that's just not native. It's it's all across the country in, in rural communities. Uh, but for Navajo, we do have some uh, doctors, some physicians that are Navajo, and they actually helped us uh, really get the message out there because a Navajo doctor speaking the Navajo language is very powerful. And utilizing our way of life teaching to inform our citizens about what's happening throughout this public health emergency was key. And I can see uh, the change that is occurring and bringing confidence to our healthcare system, even though it's underfunded, but that's a whole nother discussion we have to have with the federal government. More healthcare facilities to be constructed in Indian country. You know, Francis, believe it or not, there's only one uh, can, uh, indigenous cancer treatment facility in all of Indian country. And that's right here in on the Navajo Nation in Tuba City, Arizona. But yet indigenous people have a high rate of cancer in their communities. The other we just talked about is water and sanitation, you know, infrastructure. And I think another discussion, Francis, that we really need to talk about now is the, the mental health and the behavioral health that's gonna be coming uh, from uh, our recovery after this pandemic, because I, I've heard people come up to me and say, President, you know, uh, I'm sorry, you know, I'm the reason why uh, COVID-19 came into my household. You know, we have multiple generations of family members living under one roof and they feel guilty because they came home with the virus and some of them, you know, uh, feel bad because their aunt, their uncle, their grandma may have passed or they have long-term health problems. So there's a lot of guilt uh, that's gonna come out of this pandemic, but we need to uh, let our Navajo citizens know, all the citizens know, really, I think this is gonna be uh, a mental health issue for everyone throughout the country. And how do we address that? We have to come together uh, and have a, a really frank discussion about healing uh, of our people that have been directly impacted by COVID-19 through these 15, 16 months. You talked in the opening video about the importance of having Dr. Fauci uh, speak out. Um, there are now five uh, Native Americans in Congress, including one in President Biden's cabinet. Could you explain to us the importance of representation, of being heard, um, and what it means to have these five uh -huh. representatives in Congress? Wow, uh, you know, there, there's a turning point uh, nationally too. Uh, you know, who would have thought that there would be a national holiday for, you know, addressing the end of slavery, Juneteenth, you know. Uh, you also have the president going to Oklahoma to address uh, the uh, discrimination that occurred with African-Americans. And with Deb Holland's announcement yesterday about investigating the uh, Native American boarding schools, uh, the trauma that, ha that uh, has come from that, 
You know, that's national attention right now. And because of this national attention, I truly believe that um, our younger generation are listening and finally hearing the true accounts of our history because it's, it's, sometimes it's not taught in our schools. If, if it is, it's one paragraph, maybe one page, but you know, we're also seeing a movement throughout this country that's pushing back on, you know, uh, racial diversity, you know, uh, critical race theory is not to be taught in some areas. But here we need to let uh, our, our Navajo people understand uh, the hardships that we've gone through uh, in, in throughout our history, this United States history, because that for one will help this uh, push back on the, the generational trauma and also give hope to the younger generation. And that's what these leaders in Congress are doing, is bringing hope and encouraging and inspire future, future Native American leaders to reach their full potential. And I see one day that the Navajo Nation will have one of our very own in the halls of Congress. You've had such success with vaccines and you're talking now about embracing the past as we face the new challenges. One of the challenges we have ahead is um, the variants. Are they a big challenge you're worrying about with your decision wow. to maintain the mask mandate? Right, you know, we, there was a bill that went through our Navajo Nation Council to reopen our parks, our visitor destination to 100%. And, you know, we've been very cautious and I think we need to continue to be cautious. As you mentioned, uh, there are, uh, I think three or four of the variants that are here on the Navajo Nation. I do have some documents here uh, that show that and they have been identified here on the Navajo Nation. The UK variant, of course, is prevalent throughout the country. It's here on the Navajo Nation. Uh, we haven't had any cases of the uh, South African variant, but we do have the Brazilian variant, uh, four of them that have been identified. The California variant is most prevalent in the Southwest. We have 20 cases, but not one uh, Delta variant yet. But, you know, we have heard uh, updates that uh, the city of Tucson has identified a Delta variant. and. I believe that's not verified yet, but the state of New Mexico has it. So we are concerned because we're, we don't know where our visitors are coming from. We know our people are vaccinated at about 70%. If we continue to wear masks, we can reopen uh, gradually, maybe even at 50% for our visitors. But we also have to protect our citizens and protect our visitors uh, from COVID-19. And uh, as our visitors uh, know, uh, Navajo Nation has been hit hard, and we just ask our visitors uh, for their patience and their understanding as we uh, keep our nation locked lock down for, uh, to our visitors. But uh, I'm sure one day we will reopen and embrace our, our visitors back to the Navajo Nation. Can you tell me just a little more about the cost to your economy of this slowed reopening? Right. You know, surprisingly, Francis, uh, Yes, the economy has, has been hit here on the Navajo Nation, but we don't have that many businesses 
we just have a handful of shopping centers here on the Navajo Nation. But we did encourage our Navajo citizens to stay on the Navajo Nation and utilize our stores here to keep the dollar here on the Navajo Nation. Uh, about half, over half, before the pandemic, about half of our uh, take-home pay would be uh, spent off the Navajo Nation in border towns. Uh, but this time around, we encourage our Navajo citizens the safest place to be. And I think the Navajo people understood that. You know, if you go to a shopping center and it's still like that today, uh, you go in, before you go in, you they, they make sure you have a mask on. They take your pick the temperature and they give you hand sanitizers. They walk down your carts and then you go in. Yes, it might be a little difficult for some, but we've gotten used to that. But you don't see that off the Navajo Nation being done. And I think because of that, uh, our Navajo citizens uh, see it more, uh, to have, to see it, that it is more safer, uh, safe here on the Navajo Nation than it is off the Navajo Nation. So we're gonna be getting our updates on our sales tax. But uh, so far, the, the reports I've received is that uh, it hasn't been much uh, of a decrease in sales tax here on the Navajo Nation. And it's probably because people are spending their their dollars here on the nation where it's uh, where they believe it's safer. The, the White House has just announced that it will not meet the goal it has set for itself and that you have met of vaccinating 70% of the adult population. What impact do you think that is gonna have more broadly on the country's recovery? Well, uh, we all have to encourage our, our people out there to get vaccinated. Uh, and everybody's find, finding creative ways to uh, get their people vaccinated. And, uh, you know, even, even with the goal that was set, still you have an enormous amount of people that have been vaccinated thus far. And we've helped, you know, with the state's uh, reporting. You know, New Mexico boasts uh, their figures are pretty high in vaccination, but they use the Navajo Nation numbers there too. Uh, the Navajo Nation that's within New Mexico and also Arizona. So we help these states uh, with their percentage uh, going up because of our high rates of vaccination. And then we also have Utah. And, and so I think uh, really into the future, we uh, need to um, educate more of those that are on the fence uh, about how the vaccine is safe. It's not a political statement. It's just about um, looking at uh, the whole, this country as a whole. And if we work together on doing that, just imagine how we can bring these uh, COVID case counts down and even our deaths down uh, throughout this country. So uh, again, we're so interconnected now more than, more than ever. And we just need other jurisdictions help uh, all around us as well. This program is called Opportunities in Crisis. And as you look back over this past year, do you see opportunities? And I feel as if you've mentioned a couple, but do you see opportunities for coming out of this not only stronger as the Navajo Nation, but stronger as the country? Well, Francis, uh, I think I mentioned earlier uh, or in another uh, segment where, you know, you got Dr. Fauci coming on your town hall meetings. You got Dr. Berla coming and explaining, um, you know, the the vaccine, and our healthcare professionals coming on, uh, even our 
newly uh, confirmed Secretary of Interior, Deb Holland, coming and speaking directly to the Navajo people uh, about what's going on. And even Dr. Fauci is saying this could be a case study. Navajo could be a model to bring down COVID cases uh, in a region. And, and so that's, um, that's hope there. And, and I, again, I, I can't stop commending the Navajo people for listening to these protocols. And sometimes they were very tough. You know, we were doing lockdowns. People were getting cited for being out, out, out uh, and about during curfew. Uh, we we did uh, a lot to try to keep our people safe. And uh, I truly believe that the Navajo Nation government, the leadership and the healthcare professionals did an outstanding job. Uh, yes, over 1,300 of our Navajo citizens lost their lives to COVID-19. Our thoughts and prayers go out to them and all throughout the world. Uh, but it would have been I'm sure a lot worse if it wasn't for the quick action of all these partners, our Navajo Nation partners, you know. And you saw that happening all across the country, people helping each other out. And for us, we we even had to uh, do things for ourselves when we, we had to wait for federal support to come with the CARES Act during uh, the, the late uh, months in, in 2020. Uh, 2020, 2020, and uh, I, I, I see that uh, our Navajo people uh, showed resilience and they didn't give up and that should be committed. And I think that's what people see uh, from the Navajo Nation uh, during this uh, public health emergency. President Nez, there's a phrase I'm going to take away from this, and that's showing resilience and not giving up. Thank you so much for joining us today on Washington Post Live. Well, thank you, Francis, for uh, having us on the show. And you are helping uh, to address uh, the crisis and the needs in Indian country. So we appreciate that. Thank you. God bless. Well, I'm hoping, I'm hoping I'll be able to get back there soon. It was a wonderful visit in 2019 and an enlightening one. Thank you also to our viewers. I shall be back at 10 a.m. tomorrow morning for a show with HHS Secretary Javier Becerra and others. Please join me then. That's 10 a.m. tomorrow. Thank you for joining us on Washington Post Live. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.